0: we just pause for one moment. And even in this building, we just sense the presence of God in this place. And I know that you are at home watching this right now. But even where you are, God is with you. So let's just pause for a moment before we carry on. And Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your abundant grace. We thank you for your abundant mercy. And we thank you, Lord God, that even though for a time that we might be separated, that, Lord, you still keep us together, that you still keep us connected. And, Lord, we want to lift your name up right now and thank you for all that you've done, all that you've done for us in our lives, all that you've done for us in our churches, all that you've done for us in our families. Lord Jesus, we take this moment to say thank you. Thank you. For dying for us. Thank you for all that you have done. Amen. You know, it's great to see you. I'm so thankful that you are here at church this morning. And although we aren't physically together, we are still together. Did you know that the church is a family, that the church is a called out group of people, that we are always together in spirit, even if we can't physically be together. So if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, join in, be interactive and write your comments. And we've got pastors online that are going to answer any question you've got. First of all, I want to say thank you to our amazing team, That have worked so hard to make this possible today and thank you for the worship you know today i particularly want to talk about worship we are a called out people we are a family of god we are a holy nation we are the people of the church and even though in these times of covid that we are separated for a season and we gather together there is a sense that we have lost something of our worship together, that we have lost maybe our voice together. And I want to tell you today that we have not lost. Where we think we have lost something, maybe God is removing something to put something new in its place. Maybe where we think we are weak, where we are at a place where we are at loss, that God is going to bless us even more. Maybe, just maybe, that God is calling us to be intimate with him, to to be as individuals and come back to that place of knowing him even more deeply you know, in Ephesians 5 19, it says, when we meet together, when we meet together, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as you praise and worship the Lord your God. So my question to us today is, what is worship? What exactly is worship? Is it when we physically come together in a church building and we sing songs I don't think so. Yes, that is a part of it, but it is so much more. When we worship, we give glory to God. When we praise his name, we revere him as holy. When we thank him, we appreciate him. It's not that he, he needs a pat on the back. It's not that he needs some, a, a bigging up, but we need it We need that connection. When we worship, something happens to our spirits and we connect like never before. Have you ever been in that place where you are worshipping God and things change, things transform? Maybe it might be your mood. Maybe it might be a miracle comes into place. But when we worship, it is our avenue of connection to our almighty God. It's a thankfulness. It's an adoration. It's a a bowing down. You see, when we worship, we are essentially bowing down so that we are exalting him. So all our situations and all our circumstances are bowing down to him as Lord. And when we come close to God and when we bow down to God, he lifts us up. We think we're exalting him. But when we worship with a heart of love to God... He actually is picking us up and exalting us. And you say, but I can't sing. You know, even when we come back to church together, I can't sing. Yes, singing is undeniably a part of our worship and what we enjoy doing together. But it's not the only way to worship God. And I hear Christians when saying, I can't sing, it's a persecution of the church. Persecution is when you say, I can't breathe. There are churches all over this globe where they are suffering real persecution, where they are being imprisoned and where they are being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Because we cannot sing together is not a persecution. Do you know that the human body, we are given five senses We are given, the. the, these are amazing things, they are miraculous powers, and they are things like sight and sound and smell and taste and touch. But when we don't have one of them, when we lose one of them or even two of them, the remaining senses, they sort of zap your brain and they take up that space where that sense should have been, and the others get stronger. So what is it when we have lost singing together as a congregation? If we lose that, we are not going to limp through our worship with God, but we are going to get stronger in the other areas of worship. It's not a lost opportunity, but it is something to strengthen our souls. It's something to strengthen our characters. It's something to strengthen our relationship with Jesus. You know, just now, as the band was playing, and, and I just, everything within me, wanted to sing out loud. But I couldn't, so I just mimed it. But even so, I know that God could hear my unsaid words as I worshipped him. And where you are right now, in your homes, you can sing out loud, and you can praise, and you can worship to your heart's content. But when you have no crowd, when you have no bands, when you have no stage, when you have no props, when you have no one else around, it becomes you and God. And for me, surely, that is a step forward. Surely, that is not a loss, but that is a gain. So, until we can do that, until we can come together, until we can join our voices together, we will not shrink back. We will not suffer. We will still have our voice, and we will still have our song. So, let's not lament over what we cannot do anymore. There was a gentleman, and he was an amazing singer in his youth. And he sang in the choir in his church. And whenever he sang, it just put goosebumps. He was so amazing. But tragedy stuck. And he got cancer, throat cancer. And they had to cut so much away that not only could he not sing, but he lost his voice completely. But he still went to church, and he still worshipped his God. But this time, he had to figure out a new way of doing that. And so he started to whistle, he started to tap his feet, he started to dance. There was nothing that was going to keep him down, nothing that was going to stop him worshipping from his God. And that's what we've got to do. We have got to find a way, another way, a new way, where we can continue to worship God In fact, he became more stronger in the whistling. And maybe we can come more stronger as we start to worship God in the privacy of our own homes. You will be amazed what God will do. You will be amazed how God renews your soul. You will be amazed at the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You don't need a crowd. All you need is your worship to your heavenly Father. So what else can we do? If we cannot sing, what other ways can we worship? Well, I was really stuck here because the Bible, the Word of God, it gives us so many ways where we can worship God. So I've just chosen a few today to share with you, and you know them very well. Firstly, a worship that trusts. You know, there's a story in Acts chapter 16 about Paul and Silas. And they've been sharing the gospel. They are amazing servants of God. They have been faithful and they've been through some stuff. But on this occasion, it gets a bit tricky. They get beaten for sharing the gospel. They got beaten so badly and they got put in the prison. And when they were in the prison, they were chained. And I, can, I just can't imagine being in that place where they were at that time. They were alone. They were cut off from their church, folks. Surely it might have crossed their mind. We've just been serving God and look what's happened to us. And they must have been in excruciating pain because I searched and and I looked at how they would have been treated and it ain't pretty. But there they were, locked away in this dungeon. And what did they begin to do? They began to sing. They began to pray. They began to praise. You see, they were in a desperate place. There was no one that could help them. There was no one that could set them free. There was no one but their God. And so as they sang in their pain and in their chains, what happened next was their chains broke and the doors broke open and they were free. And they didn't do it with a crowd They didn't do it in a church. They didn't do it with a band. But they praised and they worshipped their God with their heart. But they also had a need. They were so desperate that they needed God to do a miracle. They needed God to break them free. I wonder today what it is in your life. You might be in a prison and it might not be a physical prison. Maybe it's an emotional prison. I don't know, but you could be in a prison, you could be trapped, you could be chained, you could be hemmed in. Why don't you start to sing? You don't need a crowd, just on your own. And maybe that is it. You are lonely and you are on your own. Well, I ask you start to sing, start to read out your Bible, shout out the Psalms. And just like Paul and Silas in that moment that they were stuck in that prison, God will meet you. God will lift you up because he inhabits the praises of his people. And we don't have to be together physically to do that. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So Paul and Silas, they lifted up their God. And as they lifted up their God, God lifted them up. I wonder today, are you in that place where you need God's hand to lift you up? Maybe you need to sing your way to freedom because that's what they did. No chains could keep them stuck in that prison and even if the doors hadn't broke open even if the chains hadn't broken because they were singing to God there was a freedom in their soul that no one could take away from them so i pray for you right now if you are in a place of disappointment maybe you're in a pain so deep that it's it's causing you to be like a prison i pray right now that you will find your voice that you will find your song and that you will be brave, and that you will pull heaven down into your situation. And I know that Jesus will not let you down. Sometimes we have to be in such a prison, in so much pain, that only Jesus can set us free. So these guys here, Paul and Silas, they are a great example of worship when there's no crowd away around. I know they were singing, but they weren't singing with a congregation. And what happened as they trusted God, he brought them freedom. There's um, a famous scientist, he's a neuroscientist, so he's a scientist of the brain, and he studied Christians. He studied Christians in particular when they were singing and worshiping. And he realized that when they did that, there were neurons in the brain that sort of let off good feelings. They were called endorphins and they made them feel good. Good about themselves, good about everyone else. So maybe when we're in a mood, when we're feeling low, when we're feeling down, maybe we just need to sing a song to the Lord because it's proven by science that it improves things for us. It improves our mindset. So maybe today... You might be in that place. And remember this, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. There's another worship I want to share with us today. And this story is in Luke, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 7, 36 to 50. You know what would be good maybe if you jot that down and then you can look at that later. And it's about a woman and she's carrying an alabaster jar. Now this woman is not a normal woman. She may have been a prostitute, but whatever she was, it says she had a sinful life. And she comes to Jesus one day, and she comes carrying something. But as she comes into this environment, because she is an outcast, because she is a disgrace, no one wants to talk to her. They pretend they can't see her. But she pushes past the crowd, and she's carrying a jar. She's carrying an alabaster jar. Now, what she's carrying has cost her all her life. It's all her earnings. It's her retirement plan. You see, everything she earned, she bought this oil. And this oil jar would have been big, and it would have been expensive. Everything of worth in her life was in this jar. But something had touched her life. Someone had touched her life, and that was Jesus. And in this environment, she walks in, and she starts to break this jar of oil over Jesus She breaks it over his feet, and as she's doing so, she is weeping, weeping with what he's done for her, with the love that she's received from him. And Jesus is taking this in, and he's watching this, and then he says to the host, Simon, do you see this woman? You see, no one wanted to see this woman. No one wanted to look at this woman because she was a a sinful woman, and she'd come into their environment, I came into your house, Simon, and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume over me. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. You see, essentially what she's done, she knows that she's a sinful woman. She knows that Jesus has forgiven her of so much. And she brings this jar, this alabaster jar, and she actually thinks that this jar is worth more than she is. She brings everything she has, and she gives it to Jesus. And she worships him in that way. But you see, Jesus didn't see it that way. Jesus wasn't particularly interested in the jar or the contents of that jar. He was interested in the woman and it was his love for the woman that mattered. But she was saying to Jesus that day, I've lived my life this way and now, Lord, I am turning around and I am gonna live life your way. And she crashes this jar over Jesus and that's the end of her life. That's the, the end of her life as she lived it in a sinful way. And she is saying, I depend on you, Lord. A worship that loves demolishes shame. I think she got up from that place a new woman. Gone was her shame. I remember one time before I was a Christian and I walked into a church and I wasn't their type. I had the wrong clothes on, I had the wrong type of job, I did the wrong type of things. And I remember them muttering and saying to me, you're kind and not welcome in here. And that hurt me to the core. And this woman had felt like that. But then she had received acceptance from Jesus. She was accepted and no longer rejected. She was clean and no longer dirty. She was seen and no longer unseen. And she was loved and no longer unloved. I wonder today if we could worship Jesus in that way, where we could remember what he has done for us, where we could remember the forgiveness that he has bestowed upon us. I wonder whether we could take all our junk of the sinful stuff that we do and pour it over his feet and give it to him and receive his love. You see, a worship that loves leads to forgiveness. And there's another type of worship that I want to share with you today a worship that obeys. This story is in 1 Samuel 15 22, and it says, To obey is better than sacrifice. And we know the story that Saul, as he has. Is worshiping, he's doing a sacrifice, but behind him is all the stuff he didn't do. Behind him is evidence of the disobedient life he has led before God. And yet he still thinks he can carry on doing church, he still thinks he can carry on singing and worshiping God. And I wonder how many of us today get a bit like that, where we can do the motions and, and do the things we think are correct, but behind us is a stack of disobedience. There was a little boy in school. And he was so excited to get back to school, especially in these days, that he wouldn't sit down. And he kept standing up and standing up. And eventually his teacher said, will you please sit down? And he didn't want to sit down, but he sat down. And then his teacher later on said, that's very good for sitting down. And he said, but I'm standing up on the inside. And there's something about us where we find it hard to be obedient. We'll do it on the outside. So it looks like we're doing all the things right. But on the inside, we're being disobedient. On the inside, we still want to stand up. And we all get to that place at times. Obedience, though, is one of the greatest acts of worship to God that we can do. Jesus didn't say, if you love me, sing the latest worship song. He said, if you love me. Keep my commandments. If you love me, obey my ways. Can we be kind? Can we be nice to one another? Can we be honest when someone um, doesn't give us too much change? Can we not gossip about people? And there are many, many other things where God asks us to live a life according to his way, and we find it so hard. But yet when we surrender our ways to his ways, that's called obedience and that is an act of sacrifice. And this act of worship is so powerful because we yield our will to his will. You see, Noah he built an ark. You know, at the end of that story in Noah, it's got a little sentence that says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Wow, I wonder if we could say that about our lives at the end of time, that we did everything that God commanded us. Abram, he was obedient and he became a nation. Moses was obedient and became a fre- a freed nation. And Jesus, Jesus was obedient and went to the cross. I don't think obedience the easy option you know I'd rather sing I'd rather sing a song I'd rather clap my hands I'd rather dance I'd rather do anything else in the kingdom of God sometimes than be obedient but there is something strong something powerful when we surrender those areas to God. when it, You know when you squeeze an orange and you get orange juice? And that's how it feels when God is asking you to be obedient in an area that you are struggling. It's like you're being squeezed and it's so tight and it's so uncomfortable. But what comes out is orange juice. Well, not really, but orange juice is so good. What comes out when God squeezes us can be good. So Jesus goes to the cross and he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Is there any other way? Is there any other alternative? Are there any other possibilities? Can you just check? Do I have to do this thing that's painful? Just like we do. But sometimes not like us. Jesus says, but your will be done. And I think that's a great example to us today. God, can we say your will be done in every area of our lives? Are we, are we willing to have sensitive hearts to the Holy Spirit prompting? Or have we become Deaf to the prompts of the Holy Spirit in this season that we're in because we can't sing, because we can't be together. God is still speaking to us in our homes, in our places, in our isolation. God is still speaking to his people and he's speaking loud and he's still giving us stuff to do. He's still prompting us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's asking us to feed people. He's asking us to talk to people. He's asking us to be his hands and his feet and his voice. Because people need Jesus more than ever in this situation. I read a story about a pastor called Mike Pivolarchi. And he was in a situation one day where he felt this prompting of the Holy Spirit speaking to him. To obey something. And he was struggling with it. You see, he was in church, and he was enjoying church, and they had a great band, an amazing band, and church was coming back every week, and there were lots of people, and the singing was amazing, and yet there was this nagging little voice, and this voice was asking him to stop the music, to stop the singing. And I imagine this was a a very difficult thing to do. His church was so successful and people had so much expectation. They come to church because they enjoy the singing. Don't you enjoy the singing when you come to church? Aren't you saying right now, how are we going to cope with church without being able to sing? You know, we had a prayer meeting the other night and we had to listen to the band singing and we couldn't join in with the full force of our voices. But the presence of God came. And the presence of God touched our hearts. God was still there without our voices singing. We have not lost our voice. We have not lost our song. But it might look a little bit different right now. So as this pastor, Mike Pivelacci, struggled with what the Holy Spirit was saying to him, he then came to his church very bravely and said, we've lost our way, folks, on worship. We've lost the true worth of worship it's not about the singing it's about jesus and so for a season we're gonna get rid of the band but i'd like our band to come back right now we're gonna get rid of all the instruments we're gonna get rid of all the stuff that enables us and props us up and helps us to worship and doing that is good by the way it helps us as we come into the presence of God but can we learn to do that without all that stuff and so the first week when there was no band when there was no singers they sat there in awkward silence and the second week came and there was still silence but it wasn't so awkward And by the third or fourth week, the silence started to break as people started to sing quietly, as they started to pray from the heart. And it was in this season where the songs were taken away, where the songs were stripped away, where the music had faded that their worship leader, Matt Redman, started to scribble some words in his bedroom alone. And it was out of a response of what he was experiencing, having laid down, having surrendered that gift of corporate worship. And these are the words that he wrote. When the music fades and all is stripped away, I simply come longing to bring something that's of worth, worship that will bless your heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and I've discovered it's all about you, Jesus. Jesus. It's not really about whether I can sing in church with everyone else. It's not even about whether I can gather in church with everyone else. But it's me and you, Lord. Just me and you and my heart. It's all about you, Jesus. And I'm gonna come and I'm gonna bring you more than a song because worship is not just a song. (laughs) for a song in itself is not what you have required Lord I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you Jesus you know in a moment we are going to sing those words and you in your homes please sing them as loud as you can or as quietly as you want to But sing these words to God from your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to connect with your spirit. Allow God to surround you as you worship him. And as we navigate our way through this new normal, I believe that Father God is seeking something new and that is you. No one else. He's an audience of one. Without the crowd. Without anything else, everything stripped back. In this season, could it be that our Father God is looking into our hearts? So no more lamenting over our lost singing because we surrender to a higher worship. We surrender to a deeper relationship. We will grow stronger, not weaker. We will come out of this season bigger, not smaller. We will know God better, not less. Our worship will increase, not decrease. Our families will be saved more. Our hearts will be touched more. We will be more tender-hearted towards Jesus. We will know him more and he will fill our lives even more. In this season where we have no song, so to speak, our voices will not grow dim. We will grow louder, not quieter. Christians across this earth will grow louder, not quieter. It may not come through words and singing, but it will come through other actions and acts of kindness. It will come as we worship God in many other ways. We will find new ways. We will worship bigger, we will worship better. Lord Jesus, right now, forgive us for what we've made it to be. We choose this morning to come back, come back to the real worship and worship and lift your name high from our hearts.